So, you have transformed into a mermaid. I can't wait to hear about that a little bit later. But let me introduce my guest, Jasmine C. Leva. Just jazz to her friends. She is unapologetically an artist. Jasmine C. Leva is the best-selling author of the children's book, Queen Vegana and Princess Apple, The Magical World of Vegetables. She can be found both in front of and behind the camera. She has worked on the NAACP award-winning docuseries, Unsung, as well as Being. She also produced a feature-length documentary with Kenny Leva, The Invisible Vegan, which chronicles Jasmine's journey with plant-based eating. She's done court shows, Food Network Productions, and is currently working on the NBC show, America's Got Talent. In front of the camera, she has been both in print and on screen for major companies such as Nissan, Sony, Uber, Apple, American Express, and more. She has also starred in the Lifetime show, My Crazy Ex, along with many other TV projects. This young lady has a Bachelor of Arts in TV, Film, and Media, and a Master of Fine Arts in Screenwriting, and knows that the sky is the limit, and her evolution will be televised. So I can't wait for that. <laughs> you got to tell us the name of the show. Because, I mean, you've got a lot of professional accomplishments, but I want to dive into the personal, Okay. Because I know that you've gone through a lot of personal transformation and you're always growing. So can you tell me about the four months you spent in Bali and just how that came to be? Okay. So I guess the best place to start would be the beginning. <laughs> so before, before Bali, um, I was going through some hardships in my personal life. I was fostering a, a, a baby, an eight-month-old baby, mm -hmm. and I was going to have, to, I fell in love with this baby, and I was going to have to part with this baby, and at the time, I was also pregnant, so I was just like, oh, this is almost perfect because the thought of, I'm going to have my own baby in another few months, that kind of gave me solace and um, comforted me, though I knew I was losing this foster baby. And then I ended up um, not only having to give back the foster baby, but losing my own child oh. in like one fell swoop. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. So I felt it was a, a point where I felt really broken and it was during COVID. So it's not like I had a bunch of community around me. So it was a really, it was a really sad time. But I believe that, you know, trials and tribulations and adversity, it's always an opportunity to grow. And instead of sulking, I knew that I just needed something different. And one of my friends wanted to just kind of pack up and leave and just go somewhere else. And I was thinking about it. I was like, that's exactly what I need. And I asked him, I was like, you know what? Can I go with you? And <laughs> and he said, yes. And before you know it, I just started looking up, you know, uh, information on how to go to Bali. Wow. So I booked a one-way ticket because I told myself, I'm not going to, I'm letting go. You know, something, this is a moment that I need to take for myself. You know, we see the movies, Eat, Pray, Love, and especially right? as a black woman, you look at Julia Roberts and you go, I wish I could do that, but I can't. But now you think about it and it's like, wait, 
I can. I can take a moment to take care of myself and go to this paradise. It's just I have to plot out how to do it. And luckily, Bali is an incredibly cheap paradise. So I was only paying probably one-eighth of what I'm used to paying in L.A. So going to Bali was actually an economical trip because I'm spending less money in Bali than I would be spending in Los Angeles. So that's kind of how the Bali trip came about. Okay, so how did being there, like how did changing your location change your perspective on things and, you know, what you were going through in life? When I first arrived in Bali, I had all of these professional goals lined up for myself, like, oh, I'm going to work on this script and do this project, that project. And then I hit a moment where it was like, wait, why are you going to bring Los Angeles Jasmine to Bali? Maybe this is time for you to, again, let go of who you're supposed to be and just be. Like, how, how many times in life do we get to just exist freely without having to fit in all the boxes that we feel imprisoned by? I'm not, I don't have to be Jasmine the girlfriend. I don't have to be Jasmine the producer. I don't have to be Jasmine the Angelino. I can just go and just, and just be and see what that looks like. So I went over there. I wanted to heal. So I started looking up some of the best healers in, in Bali. Mm-hmm. And I met, you know, I met this wonderful woman at this place is called like Gento Agroism. I hope I'm saying that right. But, you know, they do a whole water purification ceremony and even like the teas and the fruits that they feed you. And, you know, you're, you're sitting down with a healer and she's just speaking positive words into, into me. And a lot of the things that she was saying to me, um, I don't know if you believe in kind of psychics and I, a lot of the stuff that she was saying to me felt very on point. Okay. Um, yeah. So it felt very on point. So that was a part of my journey, like actually getting healing. And, and a lot of the things that she said to me, it was things that needed to be said. It was things that I needed to hear and then play. You know, as an adult, you don't, you don't get to play, but play, that's what keeps your, your heart happy. Right. You know, like joy is, is like gasoline. That's why when you see people at work, they work jobs that are not strenuous. They're not doing that much, but they're exhausted. You're exhausted because you're not joyful. Right. So you're, you're being, your spirit is being depleted. So that was another part of my Bali trip. Like I went over there and the goal was just joy. Every day I was living, I was just doing things to make me happy. And again, the price point was so cheap that I could exist that way. You know, to get a their equivalent to an Uber, I'm taking rides for 50 cents. I'm having three-course picnic meals, wine, beachside, and beautiful resorts for like 10 bucks. You wow. know, so I'm, I'm living... Um, I'm living a life that I probably couldn't even afford to live in uh, Los Angeles. So again, you know, focusing on joy. And then I also believe what you get is what, you know, what you put out in the world is what you attract. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I put out a sense of community. Like that's what I wanted. And when I got to Bali, literally a crew of black people, beautiful, melanated people, and even people from all over the world, not even just black people fell into my lap so I had people that I was seeing every week and I also didn't realize just how deficient I was in community and fellowship in Los Angeles because LA is a real 
you know, you, if you see your friend, you see your friends once every three to six months, if that, and it's easy for that to become the norm. Right. So to go somewhere else where I was actually getting, I was getting to play and fellowship with people every week, like the same crew, it nourished my soul in a way that I didn't even know it needed to be nourished. Oh, wow. So, and, and even things like we had just met each other within two weeks, we all like bought a mansion together for the weekend to celebrate one of the girls' birthdays. Like we were constantly, I went to so many birthday celebrations where people were going out and getting professional cakes and balloons for people they just met. And even that left uh, a mark on me because I was like, all right, when I come back, I want to make sure I remember to start celebrating people in my life more. And not even just like the best, best friend. It's like, nah, I should, we should all be celebrating each other. It's going to make the person feel good. It's going to make me feel good. So those were some of the things that um, I learned in Bali. And I guess one of the biggest lessons is just because your journey doesn't go the way you want it to. You know, my big 2021 journey was supposed to be a journey of motherhood. Right. You know, and you think like, what can beat that? But the fact that I didn't let the fact that that didn't work out defeat me, I ended up creating a beautiful you know, detour for myself that I wouldn't have given up for the world. Like I needed that experience. And so at the end of the day, you know, if something bad happens to you, like just realize that's not the, the bad thing isn't the light at the end of the tunnel. Like the bad thing is it's there. Right. But time is going to heal the wound and you can turn it into a victory. Just just change your journey. It's fine. Give yourself a new adventure. Wow. That just seems so profound to be able to find community and and fit into a community so quickly and so easily. But I'd like to just backtrack a little bit and talk about that water ceremony and tell me what that was like. And um, sitting with the healer, did you just see her like for one session or was it several sessions that you went through? Let's talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Of course. So, you know, I want to bring my culture into this. And I know black people are in Marla, but we do have some similarities. And I think one of the similarities is there can be closed mindedness, to be honest, you know, like spiritually, a lot of us are taught, well, in the States, at least kind of Christianity was more like the end all be all. And you don't really look for spiritual fulfillment like outside of that, you know, like church or religious framework. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody ever talked to me about, you know, healers and psychics and astrologists and, you know, all these people you learn about when you come to a place like L.A. Right. So so when I went to Bali, again, like I said, it was, it was shedding skin. It was letting go of all these boxes that I was put into, letting go of stereotypes. So first, it was, this was my first time going to this kind of healer. Um, so I already went with a sense of excitement, with a sense of intrigue. Then when I went, you know, the, uh, I'm mad that I don't remember the kind of tea that she gave me, but it was, it was so earthy. It was like, I was just drinking the earth and she put me in, you know, I had to get dressed. It's almost, it was very ceremonial and felt like a ritual mm-hmm. where they picked out this beautiful fabric for me and wrapped it. Um, and one of the girls helped me get dressed. And I felt beautiful in it. I felt like I was in a very raw, natural state. 
you know, rocking my Balinese print scarf. And, um, and I sat with her. And the first thing she said to me, and again, she didn't know anything about me. Like all, not like she went on my Instagram or anything like that. All she had was my first name. Like that's all she had. Mm-hmm. Cause I hadn't paid to get her anything. And she was just like, she was like, you have talents like a big person. You know, like you have talents, the same kind of talents famous people have. And and she said, you are, and, and she brought up motherhood and she was like, you, you seem like you want to be a mother. She was like, but in your past lives, she was like, you have been a mother so many times before. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her, I was like, so you're saying I shouldn't have children? And she's like, no, 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 no. She's like, it's, it's still your journey. She was like, but what I'm saying is in this life, the biggest part of your journey um, should be joy. And she was like, and through your experiences, she was like, you might not know this. She was like, but you inspire a lot of people, but you don't know. She's like, just the way you live, like just the way you exist. She was like, you help other people. Wow. So she was, yeah, she was saying a lot of stuff that really made sense. And even things like, you know, I know that you feel lonely. And that's one of the things I really grapple with. Um, I know that you feel lonely, but you need, you actually need some of this alone time so you can focus on your craft because you are meant to be a big person. So that's the, that's the conversation that we had wow. and it was, it was much needed and it, it was on point, you know, it was, it was general enough where someone could argue, but then at the same time, it's, it was specific enough for someone to say like, no, I think um, there was something magical that happened. So we did that. And then, we went in this beautiful kind of wooden area and she just, you know, she just sprinkled, she was sprinkling me with like water and flowers. And it was like, I was singing. And, um, and then afterwards it was just a very, you know, just calm sitting, meditating, praying to kind of end the ceremony, but it, it was beautiful. Wow, that sounds completely amazing. (laughs) It just sounds that actually in those moments sounded like complete transformation. (laughs) It was, girl. (laughs) So, okay. So while you're in Bali, you did a whole mermaid experience. Can you tell us what that was like for you and if it changed you in any way? so so i'm a big i'm a big kid like i'm i'm silly as hell um I, me and my inner child we i still let my inner child out to play so i saw um i saw this ad for bali mermaid school and when i saw it at first it was a joke you know you see things like that's like ha 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 bali mermaid school but then you look at it and you're like you know what that could be kind of fun and then i started looking at the photos and it was grown women within my age range literally flipping around in the ocean wearing mono things and i and, and it kind of hit me because when i was young you know full circle moment my favorite cartoon was the little mermaid growing up you know Aww. and i used to watch it over and over and over again and i used to want to be a mermaid but you know you learn through life like that's not realistic you can't be a mermaid but then to have the moment where it's like wait actually i can like this is a point in time where I can literally do 
anything. Like I can be the fairy princess mermaid I always wanted to be. So I, I signed up and I would go to mermaid practice every Saturday. They would teach us how to, you know, like how to hold our breath, how to swim with the monofin. And, 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 and we even ended up, we were like, like free diving in the Balinese Sea where they had a sunken ship and it was all these beautiful like Nemo type fish. And it was, it was just, a, it was such a magical moment. And I think also what was magical about it is it was so unexpected. Right. You know, it was almost like when you watch a movie, what is, what makes a movie boring if it's too predictable? So the fact that this was something, my life was so beautifully unpredictable like and I was just looking forward to it because I knew I'm going to experience something that I've never experienced so I, and I never thought I would experience so it was so it you, was powerful so you basically became the little mermaid <laughs> I did I did and I did and it put me so much in the little mermaid I was I even made this video of myself singing part of your world which is one of the big songs from little mermaid like in my fairy tale voice, like I, I went to town, like I was doing photo shoots as a mermaid, and I even created a whole character around her. So my my mermaid alter ego, her name is Melati, and that's Jasmine in Indonesian. Oh wow, that is so cool! <laughs> Sounds like there's another book coming out. <laughs> I know, I know. Watch out for it. <laughs> so. What did you find out about your world when you got back home to L.A.? You know, if I'm being honest, when I came back to L.A., I was initially I was really happy because I was coming off of such a high, you know, and I I told myself, Jasmine, you have to bring Bali Jasmine back to L.A. You will not go back to L.A. and go back to being L.A. Jasmine. But, you know. But again, we're, we're all still, you know, we're all still works in progress. And I think when I was in Bali, I had so much community. And then I came back to L.A. and um, it, that community was gone. You know, all the people in L.A. who were on social media, like liking and commenting on my stuff. Oh, I miss you so much. When I got back home, it's like, oh, I'm here. And, you know, it just it wasn't the reception. Like every, I remembered LA, everybody was busy, like all oh, working, but we'll hook up next month. And it was, it was that energy. And, um, again, it, it made me have another reflective moment. And, and it made me think about what that Balinese healer told me. She was like, I know you feel lonely, but you, you're going to have to go on this journey yourself. Like you're going to have to do a lot of things by yourself. And even though you don't have people around you, like sometimes it's better not to have like all those people around you because you need your energy going toward the right things. Right. So it, it was a sad, but still full circle moment. That is, that is actually really interesting because a lot of times when we think about it or we don't actually think about it, how we absorb other people's energy. And so if you're not getting the right type of energy in your world, then it kind of sucks the energy away from you and takes away from what you actually need to be focused on. So keeping her words in your, in mind, I think that's just really, really powerful. But the other thing is, do you keep in touch with any of the people who you met 
while you were there? Or were they just there, you know, how they say people just show up in your life when they're supposed to and then they leave when they're supposed to? For a season, I, I definitely think it's almost like, I, you know, we, we don't still we don't still talk every day, every week like we used to. It was definitely a seasonal friendship. Like we were there for each other in this beautiful moment. But also, I do think like we we have a special connection. So, no, we're not going to hang together. I mean, we're not going to reach out to each other every week, but we're always going to we're going to connect at some point. Right. Okay, so I'm going to totally switch gears a little bit. And let's talk about you being vegan. So when did you first become vegan? And how has that changed your life? So I became vegan. Well, I started because, you know, me and veganism, we've been um, like an on and off again relationship where it's like, oh, we've been together for two years, but then we broke up and then we got back together. (laughs) It's been that (laughs) But, um... So, so again, my upbringing, um, my family's from the South. So I was just seeing, it, there's a certain way women aged um, that I was used to. Mm-hmm. You know, their um, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Like, I thought that was my destiny. I was like, oh, you know, once you get older, this is how you age. These are diseases you get. Like, this is just inevitable for me one day. And then, you know, when you go to California, you start seeing women aging different. You know, like you start seeing 50-year-olds looking like Halle Berry and you're just like, wait, 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 what, what are they doing differently? Right. And a lot of times it's, and we think it's all like, oh, they're getting um, plastic surgery, but a lot of it is lifestyle. And it's lifestyle choices that weren't properly introduced to people in certain communities. Right. So I, I met this woman, um, Chef Bobette. She owns Stuff I Eat. It's a vegan restaurant in Inglewood. She was in her 60s. She looked mind-blowing. And I was just like, what is your secret? And she told me she was vegan. She ate like 70% raw. And she looked rich. She was wearing booty shorts. And like mine, I was just like, I want to be 60 in booty shorts. So I tried, <laughs> tried to diet. Yeah, that was, that was my goal. Like some people do it for the animals and the environment. And I mean, I eventually got there. But yeah, in the beginning, it was purely superficial. So I tried veganism. And... What started out like me wanting to look good in booty shorts was um, TMI alert. My hemorrhoids went away. My acne that I was struggling with and feeling very insecure about started clearing up. Even though I was like trying to lose weight, like weight just struggling to lose weight. Actually, weight just started falling off. My digestive system, for the first time, I think I found out how it was actually supposed to work. Well. I was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be? And even things like, you know, personal body odor. Like my, you know, I started to smell different in a good way. You know, like breath. I noticed even like my underarms weren't as strong. I mean, again, we're just keeping this 100. We're talking. Right. You know, down <laughs> under, south of the border. I was pleased with that situation because I mean you are what you eat right (laughs) so (laughs) see okay I've just got to tell you that my mind just went so completely left when you said you are what you eat and it's like well (laughs) so I don't know if anybody else who listens to this later they're gonna 
feel me on that or if they're just going to think I'm pervy, but whatever. <laughs> Gotta keep it clean. I'm gonna keep it clean. Yeah, so I started seeing all the health benefits from it. And then I was like reading up on it. It's like, wait, all my health ailments that I thought were just a normal part of growing pains are, are healing. And then I got online and started reading up, you know, people reverse heart disease by eating plant based. They, you know, reverse type 2 diabetes, less likely to get cancer. And even learning that, like, red meat is, and cooked meat, like, a lot of it is carcinogenic. So after, like, getting all this knowledge, it's just like, well, when when you know better, you do better. So I didn't really turn back to the, the lifestyle that wasn't um, working for me to begin with. Okay, okay. So let's see. So you made it. You made a film about it. <laughs> I did. I did. And and then maybe you can tell us just a little bit about the film. So I saw all these really great vegan documentaries online, you know, like Cowspiracy Food Inc., Medicated, Pork Over Knives. And I thought they were awesome. But then as I was looking at them as a collective, I was just like, wait, where the black people at? And I mean, and, and they would have like people were kind of at the token capacity or the black people would be the one people of color were always the people that needed help um, instead of being um, included in the project at the expert level. So I was just like, you know what, this right here, this is why so many people who need the message, you know, a lot of black people of color and low income communities, these are the sickest communities, but these communities aren't getting the message because we're using all white faces to tell the stories. So I just decided, let me be the change I want to see in the world. And I created a film, you know, FUBU style for us, by us, um, that our people can relate to. And even letting them know, like, a lot of the heroes that we look up to. And this is something I didn't know. You know, like Angela Davis, Coretta Scott King. Like, I didn't know, you know, like, a lot of my heroes were already on game when it comes to, you know, the plant-based uh, food movement. So... You know, just I wanted to bring the knowledge that my community needed to help my community get healthier. Wow. And that that's that's really important because it's like you said, there are a lot of things, you know, from religion to food to so many things that are culturally based, not just across um, American black culture, but different because the thing is, I mean. When you look at us walking down the street, nobody knows who, where anybody's from, right? But we all have our cultural things from wherever we've come from. We've brought those with us. And a lot of times, talking about plant-based eating is not out, you know, it's not something that we talk about. Talking about spirituality, talking about energy healing, talking about you know, these types of things, they're not always in our realm. Although, depending on where you're from, because my background is um, West Indian. So there's a lot of energy healing and spiritual work happening there outside of the church that you do hear about culturally, right? But even, and then you have the Rastafarians who total plant-based eating, right? So... It really, it does depend on where you're coming from and what your cultural background is. But a lot of these things aren't talked about mainstream, I guess is where I'm going with that. So it is good to put something out there where you're like, okay, I can relate because that face looks like mine. So I think that was a very important project. And thank you for doing that because 
I think a lot of people really need that. So on the, you know, on the same vein is that now you're trying to appeal to children with your book. So tell us how the book was born and a little bit about what's in it. So a part of, again, like a part of my um, reasoning for coming out with The Invisible Vegan is to give a voice to the voiceless and get messages to people who really need the messages, who are being left out of mainstream conversations. So with children, I know the hard part with gearing my message to children is it depends on the parents. So it's a thing where if I tell kids, you need to go vegan and then the parent can't, you know, doesn't know how to support that diet, then that creates tension. So I didn't want to do that, but I created a book where I'm glorifying vegetables. So whether your child is vegan or not, you know, like explaining to kids at the young level, you know, vegetables might not taste good because Princess Apple, she does not like vegetables. (laughs) Then her mom explained to her like, but if you eat carrots, it's going to make your eyes and your vision even better. If you eat broccoli, it's going to make you really strong. So giving our children um, a reason to want to eat healthy. So I think that's super important. And now I'm actually working on um, a follow-up book for children, uh, for boys. So it's going to be King Vegas and Prince Parsley. So that's that's coming coming next. Wow, that sounds really cool. Um, So tell me, like, where can we find the book? Oh, it's on Amazon. So Queen Vegana and Princess Apple is available on Amazon Prime. And what about your movie? Is that somewhere where people can actually go see it? Yes, you can. That's also on Amazon Prime. You can go directly to the website, The Invisible Vegan, and purchase it. Um, there is a black female owned streaming service called Quelly TV. You can watch it there. There's a vegan streaming service for free. So again, no excuses. You can <laughs> like watch that, it no as excuses. well. Love that. No excuses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so throughout, um, not just your recent journey, but your journey to plant-based eating and now being an author. I don't know if that was even in your thought to become an author and now you're a best-selling author. (laughs) So how do you feel like you've grown as a person through all of that? I've grown as a person because I'm just, I just know that I, I mean, this sounds cliche, but I just know that I'll never stop growing and who I am. Like a lot of people, they don't, they don't, they don't want to evolve. You know, they want to stay stagnant. Whereas for me, I want to keep shedding my old skin, kind of like a snake. I want to keep growing, shedding the old skin, making room for new pathways in my mind, even things that I could be. A year ago, you couldn't tell me that I was going to be a child author. But again, I came back to Los Angeles. I didn't have the same community that I had in Bali. And what happened? All of that, you know, time and solitude that I had gave way to me creating, um, working on new creative projects. So again, yeah, full circle moment. And just um, all those dreams that come to you where you're like, oh, I want to try this and I want to try that. Do not let your dreams become idle. Um, and that's one thing that I, I, I'm not going to do. Like if, if there's something, it's like, yo, I have this great idea for a children's book. 
instead of just letting that idea go into the abyss of ideas that never happen, it's just like, no, do the children's book. Google right. a way to make it happen. Nice. And that's like, well, I mean, I'm just going to put two things together here. You went to Bali because you thought you lost your opportunity to be a mom. But then you came back to L.A. and you gave birth to a book that is going to nurture so many kids. So, I mean, that's just that that's kind of the way I see that, that yeah. it's like you're just like taking care of so many kids now that and then it's pretty I actually, amazing. I'm taking care of a real life kid in the other bedroom too. Oh, get out now of I'm, um, Yeah, I'm fostering a 14 year old girl. Okay. So that's another thing. Like the universe, sometimes the universe has other plans for you. Like the universe knew, like I wanted a sense of motherhood and the universe was like, you know what, Jasmine, a lot of people won't take in teenagers but you will. So, you know, right now, the universe doesn't need you to have your own kid. The universe needs you to help with some of these other kids that might not have homes. And, um, yeah. And I met, and then she's a beautiful soul. And I'm glad that we crossed paths and she's not part of my tribe. That's beautiful. So I think that is also a great plug for fostering because it's such an important, such an important role to play his, there are a lot of kids out there who really need the home, the attention, the nurturing, and we need really good people to step up for them. So bravo. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to thank you for coming on with me. This has been such a pleasure talking to you and, you know, learning a little bit more about your journey. So it's been great. And we got to do this again. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I love the conversation and can't wait to see this podcast take off. And yeah, I, I love this. Um, I'm honored that I got to be here. So thank you. You're welcome. Welcome.